Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, White Sox fans? Welcome to the inaugural episode of The Big Blurt, starring me. I am uh, Rob Coletti. Some people call me Bobby. It depends. I don't care. Whatever you want to call me, you call me that. Just don't call me late for dinner. And I am joined by my co-host extraordinaire, the one, the only, the incredibly handsome, William Bill Meinke, a.k.a. Billard Meinkler Doodle Dandy. Wow. Hi, Mill. How you doing, buddy? Hi, that's the be- that is that's the best intro anybody's ever given me ever. I think in well, the history of time. Thank you, Bill. For those of you who don't know, uh, Billy and I are old friends. We um, have known each other for many, many years. Went to college together way back in a year. I won't say for the purposes of protecting my age to the public. Uh, but Bill and I met in psychology class at Columbia College in Chicago where we were students together and bonded over our love for the White Sox. And ever since, we have been chumliest best pals, uh, honoring our co-shared and founded love for the best baseball team in the United States of America and the entire world, the Chicago White Sox. The good guys wear black. Right, Bill? Absolutely, that they do. And I don't know if I ever told you this. I I was thinking about trying out for – the club team at Columbia, the Columbia Renegades. Did I ever tell you that? Hell, you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I bet it. Years. I bet it a solid three hundred in high school park oh, district league. But oh, stop bragging. Um. All right, listen, everybody. Uh, in our first episode, uh, we're just going to keep it relatively short, but we do have a few housekeeping things to get to eventually. First, we thought we would just tell you a little bit about ourselves, Bill. Why don't you uh, introduce our new fans to who you are? Hey, thanks, Rob. Uh, yeah, so I'm uh, Bill, obviously, from Des Plaines, Illinois, the beautiful, I, 
beautiful Des Plaines, Illinois, city of destiny. I reigns from Des Plaines. The rain uh, from Des Plaines, Billard Mikey Doodle Dandy. That's right. That's right. So I, uh, yeah, I'm from Des Plaines and I love the White Sox. My parents are big White Sox fans. It's such a bonding thing with my family. It's very cool. Uh, I love baseball, played it up growing my whole life. Uh, and you know what? I'm ready for a championship. We were, we were the most, the White Sox were the, the worst AL team this last decade. Yeah. Can you believe that? I just saw that statistic released this week. They, we had the worst record of any American League team uh, over the last 10 years. Unbelievable. Yeah, we're ready. It's time. Uh, yep. So B- Billy is the, the reins from Des Plaines, my man, the storm himself. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, I am not a journalist. I am an actor. And because of COVID, I have taken uh, an opportunity to contribute to SB Nation and um, contribute my love to the White Sox to the world. Um, I am a professional actor. Uh, you may recognize me from uh, the Book of Mormon on Broadway. You may recognize me from uh, the School of Rock on Broadway or National Tour. You also um, may uh, recognize me from the upcoming Broadway production of Almost Famous. But uh, regardless, uh, if you don't, no worries. You're going to get to know me now as a Sox fan. I grew up in Glen Ellen, Illinois, Western Burbs. What up? And uh, I grew up playing baseball, too. Played for 10 years. Um, And I thought I was going to go to college and play ball. But I fell in love with theater in high school. And that's where my life took me instead. But and that's uh, how Broadway Bobby was born. That's how Broadway Bobby was born, baby. But uh, you, you can you, you certainly certainly can't take the White Sox fan out of me, no matter what my career is. Um, d- do you have a favorite White Sox memory, Bill? Oh, uh, I have a thousand of them. Uh, I think one of the biggest memories uh, was at the playoff game, the first playoff game against the Boston Red Sox and in 2005 but it was it was right it was a big big poppy foul ball that actually hit my brother's shoulder and hit on my hand and bounced out now that was great i I will say this story oh yeah it was wonderful i mean big poppy come on uh the second the the, i think one of the best memories i have i was seeing a a game with my little brother and my dad september 22nd 2005 the white Sox were two games ahead of the indians joe creedy hits two home runs one of them being a walk-off. Creedy. Best feeling in the world. My top five Sox players of all time. Joseph, one, king baby. of third base. Great. Oh, man, that's awesome. How about you? How yeah, about you? you know, my, my favorite White Sox memory probably belongs to the the day that you and I went to the White Sox-Rangers game, and uh, we won 19-1, to 19-2. It was a blowout. And uh, Kevin Euclid hit a, hit that three run bomb, and they mm-hmm. I was going crazy at the edge of the second deck, and they put me on the jumbotron, and I uh, started dancing provocatively, and the camera guy did this weird juttery thing to try and get me out. I uh, I stand by that as one of my proudest moments in life. You're a star. You need the camera, baby. I'm a Leo. Didn't you know that, Bill? Come on. Oh my my bad my bad. is important. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> Listen, everybody. Um, now that you've gotten to know us a little bit. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get to the stuff that we're actually here to talk about. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to talk about the to-do list for this offseason. We're going to talk about the baseball pre- uh, prospects, uh, Baseball America's Top Prospects list was just released, and the White Sox are 
underrepresented. Uh, we're going to talk about the international signings uh, that have happened and that are to come. Uh, but first, uh, we're going to talk about the off season so far because this is our first episode. We got to do a little catch up. Uh, as all of you know, the White Sox have already traded Dane Dunning and Avery Weems for Lance Lynn, a deal that both Bill and I are big fans of. Um, Lance Lynn uh, gave the White Sox a real linchpin at the front of the rotation. Uh, we also signed Adam Eaton. Uh, Billy, how do you feel about that move? The Adam Eaton or the Lance Lynn? A- Adam Eaton. Uh, you know, I, I like it. I don't think uh, – I think we would like a, a, a more solidified right fielder for for years to come, like signing Springer for, for a six-year deal or whatever. Obviously, it's not going to happen. But uh, Do you think that there's it, an argument to be made that Eaton and – Engel platooning right field is enough. So Adam Engel has gotten better each year. The last four years he's been really has. In fact, I would argue maybe better than Engel or Eaton right now. I, w- I would say probably yeah. I think Eaton's on the down roll and Adam or uh, Adam Engel's on his way up. Uh, the thing about Eaton, uh, don't get me wrong, Eaton at the bottom of that lineup as a lefty bat is going to be a pest, but I don't think he has the same defensive capabilities that he did five years ago. I don't know. I mean, Engel's what a gold glove nominated uh, outfielder and he, yeah. he you know, it's not even being a star. I, I would. Yeah. I would say you have a good, you have a good option in both of them to even start and to platoon is even better. And we'll, we'll see a lot of Adam Engel throughout this whole season, the next few seasons. Cause I know that the white Sox organization really loves this guy that he's a stand-up dude and he gets better and he wants to get better. And that's something I saw also in Yulmer Sanchez too. Somebody that wants to get better continuously. Uh, As far as Adam Eaton goes, didn't have an impressive 2020. Obviously we know that. Uh, But when he was traded from the Diamondbacks to the White Sox, his, his uh, batting average jumped up 50 points. I mean, he was batting 300 with the White Sox. He in 2016 had a 6.6 war with the, yeah. I think everything was above four. The guy's a good ball player. Yeah, I agreed. My concern with Eaton is that the AL Central is um, a lefty pitching heavy division. There are a lot of left-handed starting pitchers in this division. And I, I don't know that that matches up well for him. It matches up well for the rest of the team. Uh, but, you know, I think Eaton being brought in was a lot to do with leadership and giving us some much needed depth, but um, overall, I, I certainly hope that it's not the end of the line in terms of looking for solutions to at least, at least have a swing man into the outfield. Um, Absolutely. The other big news this off season was that the White Sox brought in uh, Tony La Russa as manager, which is, uh, it's, it's been met with some, some lukewarm reception. If, if you know uh, the, the SB nation Southside Sox branch, you recognize me from, recognize me from uh Will Allen's uh, wonderful podcast with his dad, Lee. And uh, I I was brought on as a guest the week after that happened. And and I I absolutely um, aired my grievances about the hiring. But I will say uh, in in regards to this, this, you know, move from the front office, it's grown on me over time. And I will say, too, that the players showing their excitement about it is kind of all that really matters. And from my perspective, Bill, I say win. You know, prove us wrong. If 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 the man is who you want, great. Then win, because there's no more room for excuses. You're not in a rebuild anymore. You're not even in a retooling. This is now you are the favorites, not just in the division, but maybe the American League. There is no excuse not to win. Do you have any thoughts on the matter, Bill? 
Yeah, they don't have the luxury of of having a losing losing season with a new manager. Like if they were to get if they were to get Hinch, maybe, but he's you know coming after a year of uh, being suspended and coming back and getting to know this club and and working it. And Larusa, I know, has been out of the league for ten years, right? Twenty twenty or twenty eleven is when he last won and he retired. Correct. Uh, he's seventy six years old, and I don't think he wants to lose for three seasons only to sign another contract to win five seasons from now. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I think he's, I think he, yeah. And he's a traditional manager. He's a hard guy and I get it. And and maybe you can rein it in a little bit. Maybe you can uh, focus in on Robert and his development because he kind of tailed off at the end of the year. And I think he'll be a big help. Um, I do think that he will be gone after three years. Yeah. Even if they win. I agree. I, I don't. I don't see him as a long-term solution. I would imagine that this is a sort of a passing of a torch move. Um, you and I have both uh, speculated about Miguel Cairo's potential as our new bench yeah, coach. Yeah, ben, bench coach, yeah. Uh, He's got a lot of experience with the Yankees. He played on like yeah. eleven or twelve different teams, seventeen years in the MLB. He knows his stuff. I think this is a very intentional move, uh, and, and the more that it unfolds the more excited about it I get. Having said that, that excitement is going to be easily turned into anger and displeasure should the Sox not do well this year. So the the pressure is on. Uh, But while we're talking about managerial theories, uh, Mr. Mikey, you had an idea that absolutely shook my world and I am quite frankly in love with. Uh, Bill, why don't you tell the world just what it is you think is going to happen potentially or what the White Sox should be doing with our good friend from St. Louis. Okay. So hear me out. This is just a theory and I think it would work, Bobby, but I love this idea. Bill. Okay. Uh, Yadier Molina being a free agent and the Sox need a backup catcher right now. Mm-hmm. Does Yadier want to be a backup? I don't know. Uh, can he be a starter? Probably. Is he still playing good ball at 38? Absolutely. He wants to sign a two-year deal, and that's what he was asking for. A two-year deal with the cards. The cards offered he and Adam Wainwright a deal, but for much less they, than they would have made if they had not, uh, if they had taken their option, I believe. So I don't know that they're going to go with the Cardinals. I don't think they're going to sign with the Cardinals. If they do, great. If they don't, the Sox should say, hey, we want you here for two years. We want you to play backup catcher. We want you to help Grandal. We want you to help our team win. We want you to help these young guys develop to be players like yourself. Well, and Yadier I would argue, probably. I would even argue too, Bill, that you know Yadi doesn't need much help, or I mean, um, Yasmani doesn't need much help, but uh, not at all. But I'm, I'm talking like the the really young guys. Even he can help pitchers. He can help all those pitchers. Quick little, which is little shout out to my little puppy Chewy who is coming to the camera over here. Say hello, everybody, to my corgi. Um, number one White Sox. Chewy's the number one White Sox fan. He is the number one White Sox fan. Um, uh, what I love about the move is that he would be able to. Obviously, he would have to be the backup catcher, but I don't know that that would necessarily be a terrible thing. In the same way that they operated with McCann, they could swing. Uh, uh, Yasmani Grandal in and out of the DH and first base slot to give him his legs a rest, which would Absolutely. only prolong his career. And it would also give uh, the White Sox essentially a second bench coach slash player to teach young Zach Collins how to be a better catcher, both defensively and offensively. And, 100%. And so, the relationship with Tony La Russa. 
has an awesome relationship with Tony LaRusso. They love each other. Melvin, so, idea is brilliant. The White Sox right. should fire you. The White, I wish the White Sox should bring in Yadier Molina, backup catcher, two years. LaRusso's there for three, right? You bring on Yadi after he's done. Hopefully he retires if he wants to at age of 40. You bring on Yadi as a bench coach. You move him up to manager once Tony LaRusso is gone. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a great move. He knows the ins and outs of baseball. That dude has been playing forever, mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly how to win because how many championships? He has two or three, right? With yeah. the cards too. And, you know, you would, you would essentially have two groomed young managers in training between Miguel Cairo and Yadier Molina, you could have your pick between the two. You know that the White Sox are essentially set up for success for at least the next three to five years. Other teams, if we do start winning, you know, big time, other teams are going to want to interview them and we'll essentially have the say over who we let interview for the other job and who we want to keep to take over for La Russa. It's it obviously is a, a great move to have somebody like him in your lineup anyway. But it, it covered so many more bases than just your typical free agent signing would. I mean, this this is a very long term plan too that really benefits not just the team but specific players and future manager situations for the White Sox too. Bill, that's some some brilliant yeah. thinking there, my man. Yeah, and I, your point about Collins too. I mean, the, the, he's a good catcher and he's going to be a good catcher, but I think he needs a little bit more work. I, I think after seeing him last year, we're going to need to throw him. Oh, a few more pitches before no, he gets behind the plate for full he, he is struggling to hit major league pitchers. So there's no doubt. Yes, he is. Uh, the other big yeah. move, uh, aside from Tony LaRusso being hired, is the signing of Mr. Liam Hendricks. And we don't have to spend much time on this, but I will just say I'm extremely excited about it. I'm glad the pocketbooks got open. I like Alex Colomay, but the uh, the swing rates, the missed bat rates, they, they were all going in the wrong direction. And Liam Hendricks is easily the most dominant closer in baseball right now. The fact that he's going to an already excellent bullpen here in the South Side is something to be pretty excited about, wouldn't you say, Billy? I would. I'm excited for the the South Side Slider, is what they call him. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that the other day, and I was oh. like, "That's killer!" The South Side Slider. Uh, yeah, 2019 had a 180 ERA, 14 saves. Obviously, you know you're going to want more than that, and I think he'll give us. But like 2020, this last season, 178, 25 saves. I mean, I'm really hoping that, you know, because he was he was with the A's before his last two seasons, obviously, had two good years. I'm really hoping that the change of clubs either pushes him farther to be better or and, and doesn't uh, turn on his numbers that he had. Yeah, I, there's a lot of times pitchers will go to other teams and they'll, they'll have a rough couple seasons or a rough season before they can really, uh, really find their groove. And I think... The Sox want to obviously want to win now with trading Dane Dunning for Lance Lynn, who's got a one-year deal and then an option. Uh, so I think having Liam there for three years gives him a little little time to find his groove. But but I hope he comes out of the gate throwing. I I don't think, does. I don't think there will be a, a learning curve for him. You know, he in the last two seasons has uh, an ERA average of one point seven nine. He's got a K rate of thirteen. A walk rate of you know less than two. The man is an absolute beast. 
Um, I think between Ethan Katz and Tony Larusa, and you know the fire that he has in his belly, it's just it, it couldn't have been a better signing. I, bringing him over Colomay, who I like Colomay a lot. He actually I actually wrote about in a piece for SB Nation um, a, a couple of weeks ago how underappreciated Colomay's efforts were this year. He really was uh, one of the best closers in baseball, but you could tell that a lot of that might have to have uh, had to do with luck. And, you know, with, with Hendricks, you're removing luck from the equation a bit. Um, another- I will say this, that, that column a, as far as a career goes, has had a steadier career than Hendricks, yeah. but Hendricks is a- absolutely the more solid closer, right? Oh now. yeah. Well, if they, if they, yeah. If they signed column A, would they still have the same chance of winning games? Probably just because their offense has exploded in the seven, eight, nine innings. I think they had the most runs scored for, mm-hmm. for any team ever in those innings this, this last season. Uh, so had they signed column A, I think we still would have had the same chance. Does this help us out with the, the maybe five games that would need to put us over uh any any team that's the twins that are competing against us for first place? Yeah, it could. So this is a good this is a good option. Yeah, agreed. Um, also, this offseason, the very sad, tragic news: the loss of the great White Sox great Dick Allen. Um, just wanted to take a moment to give props to a controversial player who is highly underrated, one of the great White Sox of all time, and truly m- probably looked better in that red uniform than any other White Sox player. Um, just wanted to give him a quick shout out uh, in our, in our rundown from what's happened this off season. But um, while, while we, uh, while we're on the topic of the off season, it's time to move to uh, another segment, which um, we're going to get to in just a second. But first I want to take a moment to talk about what has been essentially a little bit of a letdown uh, bringing in Lance Lynn and Adam Eaton and Tony LaRusso and Liam Hendricks are all fine moves, but let's be frank. Uh, th- none of those names, maybe Liam Hendricks, but n- none of those names were sitting atop the free agent name list this year. And while it's true that I will, I will concede the White Sox lineup is already pretty excellent. The White Sox have sort of watched the Blue Jays, the Mets, and the Padres outperform them at every turn this offseason. And the fact that the uh, that Trevor Bauer is still on the market is a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, I actually wrote a piece. My first piece for SB Nation was based on how I thought that the White Sox should sign Trevor Bauer and trade for Anthony Santander. I still think they should trade for Santander. I am very quickly moving away from the belief that Bauer belongs in pinstripes because his offseason behavior has been really, really weird. And I just don't know that a presence like that in a clubhouse is beneficial, but Bill, do you have any thoughts uh, watching the Padres, who essentially have six aces now, uh, watching the Mets, who have brought in, you know, uh, uh, McCann to catch for DeGrom and Syndergaard and Stroman, and now they have Carrasco and uh, Francisco Lindor, too. I mean, these guys are making big moves. Uh, The Blue Jays just signed the biggest free agent on the uh, market this year and George Springer, and they brought in uh, Kirby Yates to be the closer. Do you have any thoughts about why the White Sox aren't making similar splashes? Does it have something to do with Jerry Reinsdorf trying to play small ball. Is it a fear, a trepidation of trying to overdo something? What are your thoughts, Bill? You know, I I think about this a lot too, and I think a lot falls on Jerry 
Reinsdorf because he's notorious for not wanting to spend it. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Uh, it's not something that we really even need to get into because it's so well known. Uh, I do think they probably have gone after a few free agents and they just can't find the right deal. Uh, because can't offer them they, enough money. <laughs> they can't, one, yeah, they can't offer enough money or they won't offer enough tell money. Me not that they, they can't. You can't tell me that George Springer didn't look at this team and say, wow, this is a good young roster. You I can't tell me I, that Trevor Bauer doesn't look at this team and go, wow, I would like to have them hitting behind me. I'm, I'm actually really surprised I'm not, you're not seeing the White Sox on the, where's Trevor Bauer going to go? I'm really, I'm kind of surprised because, because I want to think that Han is reaching out to, to uh, Bauer's agent, Rachel Luba, I believe, right? You have to uh, believe that the Angels are the favorites right now. Angel, yeah, he's a West Coast guy. He was born in Hollywood, right? He knows he wants to come out here, I think. But he says location's not a factor. But if your hometown was saying, hey, here's 200-something million dollars. I watched, for the entire, I watched the entire masturbatory 16-minute video he released about wanting all the things he wants as a free agent, where he was like, I'm going to let you into the mind about what free agents want. We already knew all of that. Don't, we don't did. Act like, don't act like you're giving us some special information that we've never had access right. to before because you're putting it on your YouTube channel. Those are all factors that go into every free agent list dating back to the beginning of free agency. I know. It's, yeah. It's, I think the one thing that the White Sox really saw that, that kind of hindered their talks, maybe, and this is obviously, again, a theory. This I'm not saying this happened, uh, but I think that when he said, I want to pitch every four days. I feel like I do better every four days or every four games, uh, which is great. I'm glad he found that out. I'm glad he pitches better every four games. Uh, that means he basically wants to have a four-man rotation. The last time the White Sox did that was – He also wants five. to be the manager. He wants to be his yeah, own manager. He's he does. Saying, is, I want it in my contract that I get to determine how often I pitch. No. Right. And he, it says okay, he wants to do – you $35 million a year to be a player on this team you'll do what we tell you when we give you the money that you want right right that's I think how it like, works but you have in the back of our rotation right now you have uh maybe lopez at number five but you have cease and you have uh mike Kopech, right so you don't want to bring in a guy that wants to pitch every four games that those guys don't get work because they're the future those guys are the future those guys are going to be here longer than lance lynn hopefully not longer than Giolito, but probably longer than Dallas too. So you want those guys to develop as much as they can. We know Cease is good, or he can be good, and he's going to work with Ethan Katz to make himself better. Uh, to to a point, we, I, I will say, everybody's saying that Ethan Katz is going to be the great problem solver of all the White Sox problems. I don't foresee – Ronaldo Lopez's metrics are so negative that I don't think you could bring in, you know, the greatest p- pitching mind in history and make him an ace overnight. Th- th- this is – we have to keep our expectations real. I think – I don't think Lopez should be on the starting staff. Agreed. I think I, that would be a bad move. Full pen or free agent at this point. Yeah. DFA him. If he, if he demands to start, just DFA him. Right. Um, <laughs> well, well, since now that we've opened that can of worms, th- that brings us to uh, what I would like to call our uh, first recurring segment on the Big Blurt, uh, uh, a little segment that we have uh, aptly named Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda, Shant. And the reason that we're calling it this is because, as we've just discussed, Jerry Reinsdorf has a very, very infamous reputation of not wanting to spend money. And the White Sox fans are always essentially 
looking up at other teams who are making big free agent splashes every year to try and make their teams better. And they all, all have to ask themselves, gosh, shoulda, woulda, coulda. What should we have done? What could we have done? And what would we actually do? Uh, and we're going to take a quick look at some free agents really quick and, and just say what we think uh, we, we shoulda, woulda, coulda, and what we shan't for uh, pitchers, outfielders, DH utility guys, and uh, obviously uh, how that would fit into the scheme. Uh, first, you know, I have on the shoulda list, Trevor Bauer, that that actually for me is changing a bit. I, I actually think Bauer brings more baggage than he's worth. I actually think his baggage pulls away from the value that he thinks that he's worth. And uh, I'm a little concerned about his very mysterious rise in spin rate. Um, I don't know that just his training method can be responsible for that. Uh, who I do think the White Sox should have been going after is a name that I think a lot of people are overlooking. It's Taiwan Walker. His, his stats, his metrics actually look pretty good over the last couple of years. He made a lot of improvements. He would fit in perfectly in a four slot and would give, you know, Kopech and see some relief. He would give us an injury depth. We know we're going to face some kind of injury this year and it's inevitable. It happens. He would be a great, uh, you know, a great value purchase for the position. Uh, and I, I personally think if I'm Rick Hahn, I'm trying to get on the phone with his agent to say, how can we just make this deal done? Because if you're, if your rotation is Giolito, Lynn, Keuchel, and uh, Taiwan Walker, and then your fifth slot is a toss-up between Cease and Kopech, you actually have a, a lot of flexibility there because then if Walker fails, you have Cease and Kopech. If Cease fails, you have Kopech and Walker. If Kopech fails or if, uh, Cease fails, you have uh, Kopech and Walker. You know, you know what I'm saying. The, those three guys essentially are a triangle. If somebody gets hurt at the front of the rotation, you have depth. You know, we have also Jonathan Stever is he obviously has a lot of work to do, but he projects to be high. We we have a lot of depth beneath this guy who I think could come in cheap and, and be the guy. I agree. I think he can be the guy. Only downside, he's only pitched in eight years, what, 30, 35 games? Yeah. It, obviously, so, the injuries are a concern. But, yeah. again, it's, this is about, you know, the reason to not get Trevor Bauer is because, well, we have too much young talent on our team that is eventually going to be there. Well, Taiwan Walker doesn't block that path. He only kind of is a bridge – and a solid one at that. He could really no, figured up on a one-year deal and end up somewhere else next year. He figured something out when he was traded from Seattle to exactly. Toronto. He figured something out. He went. He his ERA dropped three points, and he was finished the year with the one forty-seven, two and one, one forty-seven ERA. He can be good. You know I love and stats, I, Bill. You know I love stats. I'm a stat oh, man, baby. Stats don't. I'm a stat man. <laughs> You're a stat man. God, I love you. Uh, yeah, we, I think it's a good move. Yeah, I do too. Uh, let's talk about who, what they, what the White Sox could have been doing uh, on the pitching front. And the names we have on this list are Masahiro Tanaka and James Paxton. Now, the reason we say coulda is because they have the money. The Sox have the money to buy these guys. Uh, but would it be worth it? That's that's my question. How do you feel about the pair from New York being free agents still, and how would they would fit in the White Sox? I think uh, I think they shouldn't go for Tanaka. But I think Paxton, they absolutely should go for The big maple. The big maple. Give Paxton a one-year deal. You could. 
Just give him the 15 mil, whatever he wants. Just give it to him for one year by your safety. He's a dominant strikeout lefty who comes and gives you some really nice depth and lets your youngsters grow a little bit. I will say this. The only problem with Paxton, Paxton's had a good career. And I think when he came back last year, uh, cause he dealt with a lot of back injuries and he had back surgery, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a, a strained flexor tendon, right. Two in his, in his forearm. So he had a lot of injuries and he made five starts and he posted an over six ERA, which is not good. And that was over like 20 something innings. Agreed. Uh, can he be, I don't think you should pay too much money for him. Cause he, he, we want him to be that fourth or fifth starter in our lineup. Can he be the guy he was before? Hopefully we're, you know, when he got his nickname, the big maple, we hope so. Um, but I think they should do it before the blue Jays go after him. Cause I know they're eyeing him. Yeah. Agreed. As of yesterday, they were looking at him. Agreed. I, I would love that solution. I think the, the next part, you know, the woulda, the will, what the white Sox would have done or will do is probably sign Adam Wainwright or Jake Odorizzi, neither of whom I'm particularly fond of. So I'm actually also putting them in the shant category. Um, you know, James Paxton for a free agent, uh, he and Taiwan Walker are who make the most sense to me. I will say if they bring in Yadier Molina, they should bring in Wainwright because they work well together. You know what? And that for, also, I, I would agree with that because of the fact that he has the history with Larusa and Molina. Uh, I just am concerned about the age, the durability, you know, at least, at least if you get Paxton or Walker, you know, you know, they have some mileage left with Wainwright. You really have to wonder, would he make it to July? Would he make the playoff roster? You know, that's, that's a, that's a good question. That's something that concerns me. Now let's play a little shoulda, woulda, coulda with some offensive players, Bill. We have on the shoulda list, uh, George Springer, Marcelo Zuna, and, uh, Tommy Listella. Now I know, uh, that Springer's off the list now. He's obviously signed with Toronto and that is, um, uh, you know, good, great for them. I'm actually really happy for Toronto. I think he fits in great with them. And I, I personally wasn't super high on Springer because of what happened with the uh, the cheating scandal. But I also recognize where we had our biggest hole, how he was essentially the best player on the market. And, you know, if he was willing to play right field for us, man, that, that lineup would have looked really, really filthy every day. I mean, you, you, you essentially have to bump Eloy Jimenez and Yasmani Grandal to five and six to fit him in you know, batting three or four with Jose Abreu. It's, it would have been unfair. Um, obviously, that's not a possibility. But the other two, Marcelo Zuna and Tommy Listella, who I think would make the perfect utility fit on our team. I mean, truly. And would give us the flexibility to trade uh, Danny Mendick. You know, I, I, I think those two guys are the, are the shouldas on the list. And I, I still hope we go after Ozuna because I think his bat, would fit perfectly in our lineup and he would give a nice flex option from the DH to spell Eloy Jimenez from the outfield from time to time. Absolutely. Uh, 18 homers, 56 RBIs, oh, 338 average stats, 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 stats. stats. Uh, he's, he's going to want to, I think he's going to want a multi-year deal. And I think that's if the Sox, if and they look, don't have at, at 30 years old, I say, give it to him, bring him in for three or four years. Yeah, yeah. Nope. Um, and he's not, playing into his 40s. I mean, Marcelo Zuna could play into his mid-30s. He's worth he's worth the money. I think if you can sign him for a three- to four-year deal, maybe maybe 
I don't know, $20 million a year. I think that would be good. I think what he signed with the Braves, he signed an $18 million one year deal. Can't be worse than Edwin Encarnacion. I know. Yeah, absolutely. $12 million to be the worst player on the team. He only helps the lineup. And I think if they, if they invested in that, it would be good for us. If we don't, that is, if we don't try to get another pitcher, if we're going to sign another pitcher, which I think should be the priority, Mm -hmm. uh, if we don't do that, we should get Ozuna. Agreed, 110%. Uh, the Kudas, uh, you know, I, I'm not big. Uh, obviously, uh, we have Michael Brantley on the list, and he's just re-signed with um, uh, Houston. Uh, we, we also have Nelson Cruz. We could bring in Nelson Cruz, and boy, would it feel good to pull him out of Minnesota's hands. I got to be honest with you. His age is, you know, he, he's not Tom Brady. Um, who, by the way, won again today uh, as of this taping. But, uh, you know, th- th- I don't foresee the value. Of, if we're going to give $20 million to Nelson Cruz for a year, who's literally a decade older than Marcelo Ozuna, you might as well give it to Ozuna. But the, the point is the White Sox have the money to get him. And I, I know that there's a lot of speculation as to who's going to come in to be the DH, which brings us to the Wood apart. Wh- who will the White Sox get? I mean, at the end of the day, it's probably going to be, you know, Jack Peterson or Jack, Jackie Bradley Jr. And neither of those, you know, ex- in fact, I would argue that both of those guys are a deficit in the lineup. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Jack, I think the White Sox have been talking about Jack Peterson or the rumor mill for the White Sox has been talking about Jack now. Peterson. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of getting old. And the guy, he's a good, okay, he's a good ball player. Anybody in the MLB to make it there is a good ball player for sure. But I just don't think he fits with the White Sox. Well, he's, he's a Zach Collins. He's the exact same. He's a lefty who only can hit for power and does not know how to slap the ball the opposite direction and is going to strike out 150 times a year. It's just going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and I think if you're, if you want to go for a guy like Cruz, right? If you want to sign, if you want to send him a, give him a one year deal for however much money. I, he, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm mediocre. I'm, I'm, I'm lukewarm on that idea. I, I know a lot of Cruz? people. Yeah, I know a lot of people are excited about it, but I'd rather have Ozuna. In fact, I, I, I in fact, I'd, I'd rather have Andrew Vaughn. I'd rather let the kid fail at first and get his at bats in because we know how good of a hitter he can be, than spend twenty million dollars on the guy who's, you know, in his forties and picked the wrong team three years ago. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Nelson. Um, and uh, that brings us to who they shan't, but probably will anyway. Our our choices were Jackie Bradley Jr. and Jack Peterson. Please don't, if you're listening, Rickon. Please do not bring them in. Um, now we uh, we talked about um the importance of Hendricks coming in, and obviously Brandon and Kirby Yates are off the list. Uh, but y- you had mentioned to me, Bill, that you thought there was a potential for the White Sox to add a little bullpen depth. Do you do you still feel that way? Is there anybody on the market that you're eyeing? I honestly think they should bring back Colome. I think that would be a good move. I think uh, you have uh, you don't want to you don't want to platoon the closer role because that you lose confidence in that, and it, it right. offers uh, kind of a, a unstable back to your bullpen. But I think that. Bringing in Colome to to open it up for uh, the Southside Slider to do his business, I think so that would you, be a good move. So you keep you keep eight slots for your bullpen. Who who's the odd man out? Because you have you have Hendricks, Bummer, Hoyer, uh, Foster, Marshall, Fry, 
uh, Cordero and who am I forgetting? Uh, I, I know I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, you got, uh, I, I guess, Cord- uh, Zach oh, Rule. no, Maybe Zach Purdy. It all depends on who's, who's there after spring training. No, um, I was thinking of uh, Jimmy Lambert, who, by the way, in his obviously very short stint for the White Sox last year, um, was uh, very, very impressive. Um, but uh, so hold on. So it's Hendricks, Bummer, Hoyer, Foster, Marshall, or oh, Crochet, Kara Crochet. So you have you have your yeah, eight, yeah. you have your eight guys. It's essentially, Fry and Cordero are the two odd men out there. I would assume. Maybe, maybe Matt Foster, who was awesome last year. I don't know why you get rid of him. Who, who does? No, I don't think they should. Who does Colin may bump Cordero? Uh, I think yeah, the, the, either one of the two people that you just said. Because um, Fry just signed. He uh, Fry just signed a deal. The White Sox brought him back intentionally. I guess Cordero is technically the odd man out in that situation. If you ask me who yeah. I'd rather have, Colin may or Cordero, I probably say Colin may. I agreed, but I mean, I also, also look Cordero. At I, I think I think Mr. Shirt, the guns man, deserves it. Uh, his sleeves are so short. He was over I think, crazy by yeah. He was. I don't think they I think they really exhausted his arm. But I do think yeah, I mean, look at your if you look at your starting pitching staff, Lopez is gonna go somewhere too. Yeah. And if they bring in another pitcher, one of those guys is gonna go somewhere too. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a lot of trade opportunities here. And I think if you put uh, one of these relievers in as a cherry on top to something to bring in another outfielder it might be a good option, but I think that bringing Colome back to the White Sox would be a good move. The fans yeah. love him. He's a, he's a solid, solid pitcher. He's always been a solid pitcher, even when he was, when he was with Tampa. Um, Agreed. I think right now, I if think right okay now the Phillies, a, if he's okay with being a setup man and taking a pay cut, I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, he won't, he won't cost as much as, uh, as Hendricks. He won't be as nearly as much as Hendricks. Cause I think there are, times where I think we overpaid for Hendricks, but I think Colome wants to be a part of a willing winning team. And if you have a solid pitcher like him who wants to be a part of the White Sox, cause they were, they've been in communication with him for three weeks. If you, if you have the guy that wants to be a part of the team like Hendricks does, why not bring him in? Agreed. So. Perfect situation. I would love that. You know, we'll keep dreaming for sure. Yeah. Um, well, listen, let's move on to uh, our next little bit of news. The uh, White Sox were pretty uh, underrepresented in Baseball America's Top 100 Prospects this year, if you ask me. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Andrew Vaughn was dropped to 21. Kopech dropped to 24. Nick Madrigal came in at number 40. I don't understand how that happened. And Garrett Crochet is number 74 somehow. Even worse, Jared Kelly didn't even make the top 100. Meanwhile, other players who are significantly less talented than these guys are pretty high up on the list. And, you know, I have to say, I think, uh, I, I think that someone at Baseball America hates the White Sox. I, I think you're right. I think it sucks. It's so weird that a year ago they were all so far up the list and they've dropped over 20 something or majority of them dropped over 20, right? Yeah, well, let's let, let's start let's start with Jared Kelly not being on the list. So, players they have above Jared Kelly: Mick Abel, maybe Matt Allen, no; Jackson Coar, no. Are you kidding me? Trevor Rogers, no way. And, and I'm supposed to believe <laughs> I'm supposed to believe that Ryan Weathers is supposed to be a better prospect than Jared Kelly. Come on, man! Do these people watch baseball? 
It's ridiculous. And then Garrett Crochet at 74. I mean, the kid had essentially a perfect stat line in seven innings pitched this year. And you put him in the bottom of the top 100. I mean, the, here's who they have at the top, by the way, the, uh, for pitchers. Uh, Sixto Sanchez. Okay. Okay. He's, he's great. I like him. Ian Anderson. Okay. He proved himself. You know, Mackenzie Gore hasn't played above double A ball yet. Uh, and then Nate Pearson is better than Garrett Crochet. I like Nate Pearson a lot. I don't agree with that. Uh, Tariq Scuba? Are you kidding me? At 20? I mean, this is ridiculous. Luis Patino? Come on, man. Above Kopech? I just, I don't get it, Bill. What? What is it that the White Sox have had to face that have made, you know, Keith Law and all of these minor league uh, adjudicators give the White Sox such a raw deal? They had the number two farm system in baseball two years ago. Last year they were number 12 or 11. What are they now, like 30? I mean, none of the players have changed. What's going on? You know, I I think it's – they're watching them in the MLB and yeah, Garrett Crochet did awesome. Magical did awesome. Injuries hurt them. Uh, Michael didn't play. Andrew Vaughn wasn't there obviously. Um, but I think the cool thing about this list, even though they dropped that far, three of those guys aren't going to be on that list. Maybe four after next season. Yeah. They're going to, cause they're coming up to the big leagues. Well, the big leagues. isn't either. I have a feeling Crochet is going to be a big team player this year. I think he's going to be great. I mean, watching his stuff, had he not gotten injured, might have saved us. Right. Uh, you know, so I think I think those type of factors come into play. You watch them; they got injured. Maybe they're watching the team as a whole, not the individual player. But uh, I think that if you'll see, if Andrew Vaughn stays down, he'll move up. Jared Kelly will be on the list, and those Michael, Nick, and Garrett, they'll be off the list. Be- not because they're bad prospects, but because they're big time major leaguers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I just think, first of all, Andrew Vaughn as a hitter, be, the only, yes. Is he worse than Wander Franco? Sure. Is he worse than Adley Rushman? Uh, okay. Maybe, but putting him under Julio Rodriguez under Jared Kalanick, Spencer Torkelson. I don't, I just don't know. I don't, I don't understand how he's not in the top five. Andrew Vaughn is w- such an amazing Hitter, he's certainly better than you know uh, Dylan Carlson. He's certainly better than C.J. Abrams, you know Marco Luciano, Joe Adele, Cabrian Hayes. All of them are above Vaughn on this list, and they're all above Nick Madrigal, who was the best contact rate hitter in baseball last year. I just I don't understand this list. And then you know Kopech with the injury, I guess I understand. But again, they have all these pictures above him. I just don't agree with it. Uh, and, you know, hopefully the reason I wanted to talk about it is I wanted to bring attention to it. The Sox fans need to be watching, you know, how these minor league adjudicators, you know, judge farm systems these days. It's just such a matter of hot and cold. What have you done for me lately? It has nothing to do with the actual prospect capital. Um, but while we're on the subject, uh, we also wanted to touch base a little bit about international signing pool and draft strategy. Uh, the White Sox brought in uh, Yoelki Cespedes, the younger uh, half-brother of um, the uh, uh, famous New York Met of the same name, who um, obviously is uh, known for being a five-tool player, and his younger brother Yoelki, uh 
is projected as the number one international prospect from this draft class. The White Sox just got him. They also brought in Norhe Vera, who throws real hard. Very excited about that. But there's been some speculation, Bill, that, you know, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about. The White Sox have a, a little bit of a track record of drafting and signing players who are college pro-am stars, you know, 18-plus, and typically play a pitching position or a corner infield, a corner outfield. Whereas if you look at players who are being traded a lot this offseason from the Padres and from the Yankees, these are young prep position players who play center field and shortstop who are under 18, players like a little famous shortstop known as Fernando Tatis Jr., who the White Sox infamously traded for James Shields, arguably the worst trade in the history of the franchise. Uh, you know, the, the White Sox, Bill, I just wanted to take a second to, to vocalize the, the White Sox need to change their strategy. They need to put more effort into developing young, unproven talent that projects high because their value on the trade market is significantly higher than these, you know, like look what happened with um, what's his name from Vanderbilt, the the starting pitcher uh, who, who we drafted. Uh, uh, oh my God. Why am I blanking on his name? Bill, help me. Uh, um, you know what I'm talking about? I, I, for some reason I'm thinking the same way you are. I, I just, uh, God, was Carson Fulmer, Carson Fulmer, Carson Fulmer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of we, course. We took him with like the seventh or eighth pick in the draft that year. He was like the fifth or something. And you know, he's supposed to be like the big future of the white Sox. Well, I mean, what a bust that was. Sure. The he biggest was, bust. He was a dominant pitcher at college, but I mean, look at, look at what other teams are doing around us while stuff like that happens. And obviously Tim Anderson worked out and, but you know, like Carlos Rodon really didn't. And if you look at, you know, Gordon Beckham going back who the White Sox have picked. Dayon Vicieto, remember him? Dayon Vicieto, players who the White Sox, you know, were eyeing as like these, you know, they're more sure because they're a little bit older. They they almost never pan out. And the value, all this to say, Bill, the, the White Sox, they need to put a little more energy into bringing in young prep talent that they can foster long-term rather than trying to solve issues on short-term quickly because it almost never pans out. I think in the last three years, they've been trying to do that. It's and gotten maybe, better. Let me just, Magical, it has gotten better. Madrigal and Vaughn are major steps forward. They are, and absolutely. So, and they, we have those guys. Do with draft position. Absolutely. But let's talk like, let's talk about Yawkey, right? Cespedes. So sure. he was 19 when he started playing for Cuba. He has played four years now. He's 23. The guy knows how to play baseball. I mean, you could just see it in his highlights. He's uh, superb. Uh, and he wants to be part of the Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, he he has already proven himself as a player. And I think the White Sox got very lucky when Marco Patti, who's the international scout, saw him. Mm-hmm. And was like, we need to bring this guy in because he is ready. And I think that was a factor in why they're signing Adam Eaton for a one-year deal mm-hmm. because this guy could go to the outfield and he yeah. can play the outfield after Adam Eaton's gone. Right. It sucks because you look at it and you're like, okay, Lance Lynn's only here for a one-year deal. So that, what do we do with the pitching staff? But you got to separate those two. I think uh, Vera, you know, Cespedes, and you look at Colas too. These guys, if we get Colas, obviously, 
I really think he wants to be with the Sox, judging he, by his social media. He's made it very well known he wants to be with the White Sox. Right. Uh, I think we owe Marco Patti a huge debt of gratitude for all he's done for our international market. Absolutely. I mean, I really think that, but but I do agree with you. I think history has proven that we haven't, at least in the last decade and a half, we haven't had a great farm system that we've really built, or we've had, haven't had players in the farm system that have lasted very long, especially when they come up to the majors, which is something that really, really sucks. Um, Yeah. When we started, when we traded, when we gave up Chris Sale, and uh, our big players for a lot of people, that's like, that was the first step in it all. And I think we're going to see change. I think this decade is going to look, at least the first half of the decade is going to look really good. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, we, we got to start wrapping things up here, Billy, but uh, I'd like to close out our show with uh, a little segment we like to call the bottom nine. We're just going to take a second to talk about some other big news in the sports world that we think is worthwhile of addressing. It's been a crazy off season and it's our first episode. So we have a little more ground to cover than we usually will. Typically it'll only be a couple of subjects, but we just want to touch base on a few things. First of all, let's just, let's talk about the Chicago Bears for a second here. Uh, the, they were just eliminated from the playoffs a couple weeks back and, and rightfully so. They, they, uh, they did not perform up to the expectations that they had. Uh, my question for you, Bill, is now that we know Nagy and Pace are returning, what do you think is going to happen with the Bears in the future? Do you think Mitch Trubisky comes back? What's the quarterback situation? I think he does because it's the Bears' history. Uh, you know, it, it's sad because you want that guy that you want to root for that guy because he has glimpses of hope and uh, mm-hmm. and success in there. But I really think they should go after Watson. I think that would be a great move. Uh, um, although Watson has made it known he wants to go to Miami or the Jets. Which surprises well, that's that's too bad. It's too that's bad. Too bad. But I think that Trubisky's probably going to be with us. Agreed. I, I hope we resign Allen Robinson. If we don't, what a mistake! Just be silly. Um. Yeah. Uh. Also, really quickly, let's touch base on the Chicago Bulls, who are quite frankly outperforming their expectations right now. Uh. They were one of the projected to be one of the worst teams in the league, and if you know, two or five games that were very close, all within four points had gone differently. They would have the best record in the uh, East right now. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. They just got to learn how to close. Uh, They really do. And I think you, they're using marketing in a totally different way, which is so nice to see and so refreshing. So he's living up to the hype he had when the bulls first got him. Uh, Williams turned out to be an amazing draft pick. So I think that was a good move. Uh, I, I really, this is like White Sox baseball where you're you're excited to see what the future holds. Agreed. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm excited to see, you know, Kobe White has really taken a big step forward. He deserved to be a starter last year. And now that, uh, Jim Boylan, whose name we shall not mention from henceforth going forward, um, is gone now that, you know, he's out of the picture and Billy Donovan is here. He's being Mm -hmm. used the right way. I think Zach Levine has really taken a huge step forward. I was kind of all gung ho about trading him earlier in the year and, now I'm like, wow, well, if he can sustain this, then, yeah, he's a star. Uh, he's like Adam Engel. He gets better every year. Yeah, agreed. And, and you know what I would really like to see happen is I'd actually like to see the White Sox move on from um, Wendell Carter Jr. I, I, I like him a lot. No, you mean the Bulls? Yeah, the Bulls. Wow. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Freudian slip. Very, very intentional. Yeah. Um, no, uh, the, Wendell Carter Jr. is a great uh, young big man, but – uh, he doesn't fit our scheme. He doesn't fit well next to Markinen, who I like better. And obviously he's really coming around this year too. Uh, and between Markinen, Levine, and Kobe White, it doesn't really matter who plays a small forward so long as it fits the scheme. We just need a, a big man who can actually dominate down low. And Wendell Carter Jr. was kind of drafted to be a do-all center, and he really isn't doing much of anything. 
so he, he's kind of who I hope is the odd man out for the Bulls. Um, yeah, I think Mark, I think Markinen might be out after this season. So, uh, and you know what? I'd be okay if, they, if they can bring him back, then great. You know, I think the question is how much money does he want? But if he if he continues to play like he has been, he's making a real argument to stay. Um, NFL playoffs. Uh, today today we had Pat Mahomes versus Josh Allen. The Chiefs sealed that deal. And Brady versus Rodgers. And Tom Brady wrote his name into history books yet again as the GOAT for sure. And our Super Bowl is going to be uh, Chiefs versus Bucks. Who, who, who you got, Bill? Uh, I think Tom Brady's going to do it. I think Tom Brady's going to do okay. it. All right. You and I disagree there. I do think that Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs are just a little a little too dominant offensively for that Bucks defense to stop. But I will say if there's a matchup that is going to be a bit of a shootout, the Bucks have as good of a chance as any to go punch for punch with the Chiefs. So that offense looks really good. Yeah. Um, I also want to just say really quickly about both the Bills and the Browns. They really redefined their legacy this offseason, I think, regardless of how it turned out. I was rooting for the Bills today. I wanted them to – I always like an underdog story, and, you know, the Chiefs just won last year. They didn't need to win again. But, you know, I think regardless of how it turned out, both the Bills and the Browns should be really proud of how far they've come and their future looks, looks bright. And I'm also really excited, Bill, about Sarah Thomas, the first woman to officiate a Super Bowl in two weeks. That's huge news. Really excited about that. That's incredibly important, and I think it continues. I hope it continues. I want it does, it. and it fades across to baseball as well. One of the things we are both really excited about is former White Sox intern Kim Ying is named the uh, Marlins GM, and she just participated in the inaugural ceremonies, which were beautiful, by the way. Uh, it's it's so wonderful to see all these uh, young women and uh, all these different roles really making a splash across the sports world. Absolutely. I mean, you look at like, you look at like what the Dodgers have become. That's partly because of her. You look at when the Yankees won their world series, that's because of her, not all because of her, obviously, but, but she was there there and she has an amazing impact and she knows more about baseball than I think a majority of people that work in baseball. Agreed. Uh, I hope that um, Deshaun Watson does come to the Bears. Houston really screwed the pooch with uh, Watson and Watt this offseason uh, and regular season. Uh, so we'll see what ends up with them. I- I'd like to see Watson come here. I'd also like to see J.J. Watt come here, who loves Chicago, by the way. We'll see a big Bears that, fan? That plays out. Well, he, you know, he went to Wisconsin. He loves Portillo's. Makes that very well known. Um, the uh, Harden trade to the Nets, that was a huge deal. God, a lot has happened in the last couple of weeks here, Bill. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to wrap this up, but I just I got to mention really quick, the Nets, uh, you know, they, they have a little bit of an uphill climb because they started out of the gates a little slow and all the drama with Kyrie, but uh, that team looks pretty dominant. Um, uh, I also want to take a second to uh, give some quick respect to Delonte West, who recently entered rehab. Uh, big ups to my man. Get well soon. I'm glad to see that the world is helping take care of him. Um, and uh, a really little last little closing note that I think is important to mention. Really glad that the Mets just outright fired Jerry, Jared Porter for those. Uh, the dude sent 62 unanswered text messages to a reporter who was female, including two shots of his dick. That's unbelievable. Yeah. It's not good. That's I not mean, good. Dude, he was, I think he was with the Cubs at that time. Oh, man, if it was like, you know, even like eight to ten texts, I would have been like, okay, dude, get the hint. But 62 yeah. texts? Come on, man. Good on the Mets. But good on the Mets for that organization. It's a no no bullshit 
yeah. uh, rule there. So they're, they're good on them for firing. I'll right tell you away. what, Mets are building a lot of really good momentum in their, their clubhouse right now. Uh, they are. Uh, you know, uh, really quickly, just want to close on this note. Um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a, uh, a pretty terrible insurrection at the capital of the United States recently, uh, where a bunch of really horrible people, uh, tried to uproot the results of a free and fair election here in our country. And we just, we felt it was, uh, an obligation as citizens of the United States of America who believe in democracy and, uh, the will of the people to be upheld, uh, to voice that we are, we stand in support of the uh, politicians who are holding these criminals, these insurrectionists, these domestic terrorists accountable. And, um, we, we certainly hope that this, uh, ends an era of division in our country. Uh, we think regardless of where you stand on the political spectrum, we would certainly hope that everyone can agree that, uh, the behavior that day was uh, abhorrent and unacceptable. And um, I speak on behalf of both Bill and I when I say that we um, we are both very hopeful that now the future looks a little bit brighter because that past is behind us and it, it appears that the people who were involved are all going to face some pretty serious trouble. Um, but we felt it was important to say, given the time and the climate, that it, uh, we stand in support of democracy and not the people who uh, tried to overturn it. Um, anyway, that'll do it for our first inaugural podcast today. Uh, we are very grateful to all of you for tuning in with all of us. We're out of time. Um, in the next episode, we're going to have a lot to cover. Uh, there, there's a lot still happening. The cold hot stove is finally starting to warm up really interested to see what the white Sox do bill do you have any hopes uh as we go out of the podcast today about what you'd like to see the white Sox potentially do before we uh come back to our next session i want to see them bring in a starting pitcher yeah yeah me too we'll cross our fingers uh maybe james paxton maybe even alex colomay who knows uh, I'm still, my, my number one is Marcelo Zuna. I really think he fits our team perfectly and would love to see him uh, slot into the lineup as a DH outfield flex. And um, uh, until then, we're just going to keep our fingers crossed. Uh, this has been uh, the first ever episode of the big blurt. We really are appreciative uh, for you turning in, tuning in. Uh, I have been Bobby. This has been my main man, Bill. We love you very much. Uh, we're going to take a second to remind you to wear a mask and uh, protect your fellow Americans Take care of each other out there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Bill, send it off. Say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Take care of each other. Wear a mask. Love you, White Sox. Love you, everybody. Bye.